We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Auto Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Along with us is TJ Inman. And today we are taking a look at the Indiana offense heading into the 2018 season. It's a topic that everybody has been talking about as an area improvement for the Hoosiers going into this season. If they are going to come out uh, bowl eligible in November, we'll go into the different position battles, quarterback battle, battles along the offensive line wide receivers who are stepping up, uh, running backs, tight end, all that more uh, as we welcome in TJ Inman into the show. TJ, uh, good evening. Happy Monday. And we are 24 hours closer to college football than we were yesterday. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a, you know an exciting time of the year as we uh, really attention begins to turn uh, towards college football, hopefully, uh, on the field products, I know yet another uh, another week in the Big Ten East off field scandal. Uh, this one uh, at Maryland significantly more um, sinister, if you ask me, than the uh, Ohio State one. Uh, hopefully, the investigation uh, that the Terrapins have going on right now. Um, uh, hopefully, it uh, reaches a conclusion that. Um, I don't even know really where to go with that. It's satisfactory, I guess, uh, and that that program can uh, make the right call, whatever that ends up being. Uh, and I, you know, again, our um, I, I know that it's difficult for Indiana fans to, uh, you know, stay away from perhaps the, you know, oh wow, look at that dumpster fire. Uh, but I think it is important to. Uh, you know, stay away from social media name calling and things like that. Uh, you just never know uh, what's going to happen to your school. Uh, I, I will say that I, uh, the stuff that I have seen from Maryland fans, by and large, I've been pretty impressed with. They uh, they seem to have understood this is about more than just sports. Uh, this is about you know uh, life and death in this case and. Uh, the livelihood of, of a program. Uh, it's about more than just on-field results, and uh, I think it's important to keep that in mind uh, when talking about this stuff. But sports is a distraction from serious issues, and I, I know you and I and uh, our whole staff definitely looking forward to uh, the best distraction of all, which is college football games. Yeah, and, and it's the off-field stuff in the Big Ten East is it, – is crazy. Rutgers has a credit card scandal going on. Uh, the, the stuff at Ohio State uh, with Zach Smith yep. and Urban Meyer and then with Maryland and, and their 
uh, investigation into the death of uh, Jordan McNair should be concluded, they said, September 15th. I don't expect DJ Durkin to coach this year. After all the stuff that's come out, we've seen coaches get fired for worse. Um, Case of point is, or for for less, I'm sorry, for less. Case of point with Indiana, as bad as Wilson was, uh, in in some cases, reading the reports from Maryland, it it sounds like it was uh, a couple times worse than Indiana. Uh, But anyway, let's jump into the offense, TJ. Uh, Indiana, let's go over last yep. year quickly first. Um, total offense, points scored, they were right in the middle in the conference, sitting sixth. Um, they were top five passing teams in the yards. Where they got hurt was in the running game along the offensive line. Mm-hmm. They ranked 12th in the conference uh, in rushing with 130 yards rushing per game. That was nine yards behind the next uh, best team in Iowa. 17 yards behind Rutgers. That's uh, just not good enough. At under three and a half yards per carry. So they ranked second to last in the conference behind Illinois uh, in yards per carry. Uh, the, the tied for the fewest rushing touchdowns and tied for, and they had the fewest rush attempts in the league as well. If Indiana's offense wants to get back to where it was under Kevin Wilson, uh, which numerically isn't far off. You'd think if they could improve this rushing defense or rushing offense, um, sorry, uh, their passing offense uh, ranked third in the league last year. Their total offense was sixth in the league. Uh, And imagine if you weren't 12th or 11th in rushing and your scoring offense said this offense really wasn't as terrible as it was last year. It lacked that second dimension. Uh, in the run game, and, and that is the key this year. So let's start up front uh, with the offensive line. Everybody's back. They add grad transfer uh, Nick Linder from Miami. Uh, he sat out last year getting healthy, uh, so he's eligible to play. And, and we'll see. We'll see if guys, you know, Hunter Littlejohn's had a fabulous fall camp after a strong spring practice. Simon uh, Stavoniak has, has had a um, – a great fall camp as well. He looks bigger. He's one of the guys who, when you go to practice, just looks physically bigger. Uh, Delroy Baker's back. back. Uh, and then you have, you know, young guys like Harry Kreider, uh, who's, you know, mixing in a guard. you got Wes Martin, who's been a rock there for five years. So that's the offensive line. TJ, what are you looking for out of the offensive line this year? Well, I think primarily, uh, you know, First and foremost, the coaching staff has made no bones about how big of a priority it is to improve the rushing game, and that starts up front. Uh, now, another thing that they have definitely been very public about is how pleased they have been with the work ethic and the leadership that this offensive line has had. Uh, it's very clear to anyone that has heard these guys talk or seen them uh, on the field, they have changed their bodies physically, and it appears taking it upon themselves to improve this running game and improve their blocking. Uh, and it, they know that it starts with them. Um, Passing-wise, I'm not particularly worried about the pass blocking because I think that that, um, that has been pretty good with this group. 
uh, it is the run blocking, of course, that is going to be the, the thing that we all have to watch out for. Um, you know, I, I, I think it's great to have the experience that they do, uh, and I think it's uh, the best part of this offensive line, in my opinion, is probably the depth. Um, you know, you mentioned a number of those guys, Koi Kronk, of course, returning at left tackle, uh, and then I think your your starting left guard is going to be Wes Martin, who, uh, you know, captain for this uh, this squad, it would appear. And then at center, I would anticipate Nick Linder, the uh, grad transfer from Miami. That was a big pickup for this uh, coaching staff. Uh, I think Linder is going to step into that role. Uh, and then you hope that Brandon Knight will be able to go uh, for a full season. Uh, injuries have continued to be an issue for Knight. Hopefully he's able to go. And then Delroy Baker or Simon Stepaniak, I would guess, are battling for that other starting position. Uh, and then you feel good about Harry Kreider. You feel good about uh, Mackenzie Nuara. Um, I think that there are probably eight or nine guys that uh, right now you would say, okay, I feel fine uh, if that guy is on the field against a high-level Big Ten opponent. Uh, you might not have best five often, but I think you go eight, maybe nine deep of players that you say, okay, that guy knows what he's doing out there. He belongs on a Big Ten field. Uh, that I don't think was the case last year, uh, especially early in the year, and uh, I don't think it's been the case all that often. So, there might not be any superstars on this line, but I think there are some really solid players, particularly the left side with Kronk and Wes Martin, who I feel, uh, I mean, Wes Martin has been chronically underrated throughout his time in Bloomington, and um, I hope that he gets the uh, the accolades he deserves during his senior season. So I, if, do you think that's about right? Probably eight or nine deep you feel pretty good about, and after that it gets hairy. Yeah, yeah I feel pretty good that they, you know, Nick Linder hasn't been running with the first team offense, and that just right. tells you how good Hunter Littlejohn has been uh, at center for this team, and how much impro- uh, how much improvement he's been. And they, if you could go, you know, if you get that center position figured out, and Harry Kreider can move the guard where he, he'd be behind Stepniak, you, yeah, you could go eight or nine deep, and, and then you really have, feel good about this line. Um, and I think yeah. that's the more, and I was talking to Riley today, who's been down at practice, and we agreed the more that she sees this team, and I keep hearing about this team, the better I feel about it. Uh, and I'll be down at practice tomorrow uh, to see with my own eyes uh, the improvement uh, and talk to quarterbacks and, and all those things. So I, I really feel, you know, sneakily confident uh, in this line after last year. Now, hopefully they stay healthy. Uh, Devondre Love is also in there. If he's healthy, he could be a factor uh, in depth as well. And then, you you know, Caleb Jones it can, hopefully can be a player as well. And then maybe you can even talk about going 10 deep and have two units. And that'll really help if you could plug and play guys, you know, in the middle of the game and, and get uh, and get guys uh, – rest during the middle of the game where they're fresh you know your ones are fresh at the the uh the beginning of the game so 
you know, we'll see. Let's switch the running back, uh, the running back team, uh, and look at the guys back there. Morgan Ellison is back. He's looked impressive this spring after missing most of sp- uh, uh, this fall after missing most of spring practice. Uh, he's strong. He's got to stay healthy as well. Uh, that was his problem last year. It's been his his issue in high school. Not all of it is his fault. You just you know you can't prevent broken legs a lot of the time. Uh, but he's back. Right. You have Cole Guest behind him. Ronnie Walker uh, has looked solid well. He's kind of gone under the radar. Uh, Craig Nelson, uh, you know, is back running with the offense again. He looks good. Mike Majette gives you a veteran leadership there. But I think they're going to end up splitting him out wide, uh, using him in that, that running back passing game on extended handoffs, where that's really where Majette belongs. Uh, is in the flat in space where it can make a guy miss and, and head up field. Of course, you have Ricky Brookins. And then one guy that has been mentioned a lot, uh, Stevie Scott on uh, the big BTN, other writers. Uh, we saw him in practice. He looks the part. Uh, he looks like a guy uh, who, who's going to be a Big Ten back, uh, a good Big Ten back, maybe not an every down back, but a guy you can give the ball to late in the game to grind down, uh, opposing defensive lines. Uh, his, his legs are thick. Uh, he's not as thick as Javon Ringer, say, but he has those running back legs uh, where he looks like he can push the pile. Big physical runner. Uh, and then you have some uh, Ricky Brookins back there as well, who's a do-everything guy, the most trusted guy on the team, uh, things like that. And then uh, you have a couple walk-ons uh, who can play as well. And Rod Lloyd, who I've been very impressed with, and, and Connor Thomas, uh, who could give you some depth maybe in games. You know, if, if IU could actually blow out some teams, give you some of those uh, carries late in the game to grind out the game and, and put your your main uh, rotation of running backs on the bench and rest their legs uh, for a end-of-the-season run. But, you know, the most interesting thing about this backfield uh, for me is, and obviously they are a huge part of improving the running game, the running backs, of course. Uh, they know that they've, the last year was not good enough. Uh, I'm sure that that has been made very, very clear to them uh, throughout the off season. Uh, the conditioning numbers, the strength numbers, uh, the speed numbers have improved across the board for the running backs, and they really do physically look great. Uh, feel like Morgan Ellison and Cole Guest are your clear uh, one-two at this point in time. Um, I think Ellison looks like he is ready to be an ever-down, uh, you know, your your prototype Big Ten tailback. I, he he looks that part. He's got to go out and do it. But right now, he looks like he's ready to do that. And then Cole Guest, I think you're hoping is able to be the complementary piece that is a uh, capable of making explosive plays, uh, making that one cut, finding the seam and hitting it. Uh, he's always been a guy that hits the seam very hard. Uh, you know, we are hoping, and the coaching staff and Cole Guest is hoping uh, that the work he has done to improve his top end speed. Uh, will be enough to turn maybe a 15-yard run into a 45-yard touchdown run. You know, that's the hope. Um, 
is a guest can provide some of that explosiveness. And then uh, you mentioned Mike Majet. He, of course, is going to be uh, a player that I think that they're looking to either play in the slot and, and maybe four wideout sets or, uh, like you said, to get kind of those short passes and turn, uh, you know, a, a five-yard screen pass into a 15-yard gain by getting to the edge using his speed. Uh, and then you, you, know, you are going to have to use a number of tailbacks because of how tough of a position it is, and that's where the depth comes into play. Now, I, I think the biggest concern uh, would be Morgan Allison injury concerns. Now, I understand, uh, you know, he cannot control a lot of that. They're fluke injuries. That being said, it is a concern, you know, and, and when, uh, if he takes a big shot or, or spends a little time on the turf before getting up, uh, there's going to be a major concern because we've seen it before. Cole Guest, you know, he's only 5'8". I mean, he is built like a truck, but he's only 5'8". Um, and if, if those guys go down, you're looking at an incredibly inexperienced backfield in terms of carries. Uh, you know, Craig Nelson, Ronnie Walker, Stevie Scott, none of those guys have had a carry. Uh, Ricky Brookings, certainly experienced, but, you know, uh, again, he's only 5'8". So uh, that that is my concern with this group. I think that the ceiling and the potential for the running back room is very, very high. Uh, and, and I think this this group of backs is underrated uh, across the Big Ten. I don't think anybody expects much from them uh, outside of Bloomington. Uh, but I really anticipate Morgan Ellison uh, going for over 1,000 yards this year, and I know that that's an aggressive prediction, but uh, I, I like everything about him. I think he's a a really good running back that the only thing he lacks would be um, the the hands to to be a a good pass catcher. But Indiana has other players that are, that are capable of that. And and I do think that they have a number of pieces to complement each other in that running back room uh, with Stevie Scott being the big back, Ronnie Walker being the, the young all around back, Mike Majette being the receiving back, and then uh, Craig Nelson and Cole Guest, um, you know, being hopefully what you, you hope turn into home run hitters for you out of the backfield. Uh, so I, I think overall it's a it's a really good group, but they've got to put it together, stay healthy, and be productive on the field when it matters. And that's only time's going to tell. Yeah, and, and then my big thing with the running backs outside of health is they've got to hang on to the ball. IU lost – yeah, seven yeah. fumbles last year. Uh, they probably put it on the ground a lot more than that. It's you gotta hang on to the ball. It's, you cannot turn the ball over. It just kills this offense. It usually sets up the opponents with good field position, and it's just not fair to the defense to, to ask them every time to hold them to three uh, or a punt. At, at some point, they're going to break and, and allow a touchdown. So they got to hold on to the ball uh, and, and get that going. Uh, don't forget, Reese Taylor is going to be playing both ways. You're going to see him carry yeah. the ball probably out of the slot, um, out of the slot receiver spot, but maybe he lines up at running back as well. Uh, um, 
and they get him the ball on the outside, use his speed and agility out there. So there's a lot of tools with IU to work with at the running back uh, position that makes you feel a little bit more confident to where they're not going to finish, you know, in the bottom third or bottom quarter of the conference in, in rushing this year. Let's move on uh, to the quarterback position. It's a highly debated position that is really, this fall camp has really taken me by surprise. Uh, I thought Brandon Dawkins would come in and, and just dominate uh, the competition and, and be the clear cut starter. Uh, he hasn't done that. He's looked good, uh, but Peyton Ramsey has really improved. And I'm not the biggest Peyton Ramsey fan in the world, but he has improved his arm strength. Uh, he has improved his body. Uh, and he looks like a guy who really, really wants to start in position as well after having it uh, four games last year. My concern with him, again, is, is throwing that out route uh, and, and really drawing the defense on, on great balls, but when I or deep balls, but I when I we saw practice when I saw practice a couple weeks ago, of course there's no pads on. He threw some really good deep balls uh, to where he threw those passes last year. They probably they, they beat Michigan State, they beat Maryland, they go to bowl, and, and none of these questions happen. Um, yeah, but my biggest question with him is, is durability. Every game we saw him get up limping, can he survive a season? And that's why it was so huge to get Brandon Dawkins to come in uh, to just give that room a little bit more depth, quality depth, a guy who's been there, uh, been around the block a couple of times. He, overall, I think he has a strong arm than Peyton Ramsey. He throws a better out route. uh, But I don't know if he's that comfortable in this offense yet. He's... uh, not getting first-team reps uh, and, and things like that, but, you know, he's taking a step back, learning the playbook, getting more comfortable in, in a drop-back passing scheme, uh, which he wasn't used to at Arizona, coming from Rich Rod's, uh, Rich Rod's offense, things like that. So, you know, eventually, I, I do think Brent Dawkins is going to be a factor this year. I, I do think he's going to I don't know right now who's going to start against FIU, but that's not a terrible problem to have because each quarterback has been really good um, in some some respect or another. But Brant Dawkins uh, needs to separate himself from the pack if he wants to start. Uh, the guy who's probably been the most surprising uh, has been Michael Penix. Uh, he has all the tools. Uh, the thought was maybe he's the third string guy going into this year. You probably redshirt him, play him in those four games, get his feet wet, and let him compete for the starting job next year. Well, he's having more to say to, uh, about that than I anticipated. He is throwing the ball really, really well, um, and has looked good uh, in in scrimmage opportunities with uh, with the team of practice has thrown a good deep ball, has learned to throw a change up, put some touch in the ball. Uh, he can run as well. All three quarterbacks can run. They're all in that 22-mile-an-hour over club, uh, which uh, Blue and Ray say is elite speed. So they're all going to be in that group uh, of guys who can run. But uh, to me, right now, Penix has been running with the ones. And – 
if the season started today, probably see he's the starting quarterback. Uh, but if he starts, I think you do see uh, maybe a two-quarterback system uh, rotate in and out. It's the, the old saying of if you have two, you don't have one. Um, I think Indiana's going to play all three of these guys, just based on guys getting banged up, the nature of the position, the nature of how they want to use the position. Guys are going to get banged up in, in one respect or another. You know what? Might as well let – these teams prepare for all three guys, put it on the table. Uh, I, I think maybe now you kind of reevaluate where Penix is with his red shirt. If you need him this year, go ahead and play him in the four games, evaluate where he is, and then if you need him to win those six, seven games, use him. Uh, if you don't go to a bowl this, this year, I use dead in the water. So, you know what? Use him and then worry about the future a little bit later. Plus, if he's that good, he might jump early anyway, and you might just get three years out of him uh, anyway. But I, I'm really encouraged by the by the quarterback position. It's not that, oh, he's going to win the job by default. Whoever wins this job is going to deserve it. And they, they've all looked good. They're all pushing each other, which was the goal. And then hopefully later in camp there is a clear – uh, a clear starter, and then maybe sprinkle these other guys in uh, during games and, and things like that. Well, I I think Phoenix has certainly been uh, the biggest surprise. I know we heard throughout the off season that Ramsey was really working hard. Um, I mean that that's great. I Peyton Ramsey, um, I think, has the respect of certainly the fan base. Uh, because of you know how much he laid his body on the line, uh, trying to get extra yardage as a rusher, um, and he's he's definitely more, you know I don't want to throw out the cliche of more athletic than he looks because he's white, uh, but you know his he didn't look that fast last year when he was moving, but uh, he ended up getting making quite a few big plays with his legs before. He was injured, and I think that that's important to remember. Uh, it was hard for him to maybe throw as effectively as he could have last season because he was injured, uh, but gutted through it and played some uh, more than, you know, definitely not at 100%. Now, durability is a question. That's true. Uh, but Indiana has three of these guys, and I'm at the point now, uh, I don't know who's going to start. I don't think the coaches know who's going to start. I do think there's going to be multiple guys that play. Uh, and, yes, that's a good problem to have. However, it has to be managed effectively. Uh, yep. you, you cannot play musical chairs at quarterback and have none of these guys get into rhythm as you try to find one. Um, yet they have to be used effectively. If that means that you find good roles for Penix, Ramsey, and Dawkins, great. That is perfectly fine. There's nothing that says it can't be done. However, if it means that you make all three of them less effective than they could be by not settling on a player, that will hurt the team, and it will no longer be a good problem to have. It will be a problem that negatively impacts you on the field. Uh, So, you know, it's up to Coach Allen, it's up to Mike DeBoard, and it's up to Nick Sheridan and whoever else has input in this decision it's up to them to find what's best. It is certainly not one that, uh, you know, we're going to be able to call. 
we can have opinions on it based on what we see, but uh, those guys see far more of it than we do, of course. Um, all that we're going to be able to evaluate and all that I really care about, to be honest with you, uh, is what happens during those 12 games that hopefully leads to a 13. Who can produce and give Indiana the best chance to win? I happen to think it's going to be uh, – I think that there is going to be an effective game plan out there where you're able to use at least two of them. I don't know about all three, uh, but I think that there will be a game plan out there where you can use at least two of them uh, very effectively and give your team the best chance to win. Uh, it's just going to be a question of how do these guys round out camp because uh, I think there's still plenty of uh, plenty of opportunity for all three of them to earn themselves playing time. So as far as this one goes, I mean, look, if Penix is the best guy, he should play. Um, yet if, if he's a freshman, okay. I mean, if he's the best guy and he's special, uh and that talented and, and that prepared to be able to handle it mentally and physically, he should play. It's just that simple to me. Um, you you play the guy or the guys that give your team the best chance to win, freshman or not. Yeah, and that 100% has to be the attitude of the coaches. Now, talking about the speed again, you know, Peyton Ramsey, it's not sneaky speed, but he's – deceivingly fast. You know, he's 10 yards down the field before you even realize that he's running um, running full speed. He saw that against Virginia. He saw a hole. He got there. He scored the touchdown, and, you know, that that's what he does. And, Brent, and it's smooth. Yeah. That's the kind of speed that Peyton Ramsey has. He has smooth acceleration, and he just hits the hole and goes. Brandon Dawkins, same way. You can see him in drills. He has that smooth stride, and it's it's just it's really fun to watch him um, do, during these scramble drills, just accelerate, decelerate, and all those things, just because it's so smooth. Penix, while he does have the speed, seems to be more of a pocket passer who runs second. Uh, it's not clunky. It, anybody running 22 miles an hour, at some point, it's not a clunky runner, but he's definitely a guy right. who's who's going to run second and pass first. So there's definitely a way to use, you know, two of these guys. Maybe they even have a package where you have four quarterbacks on the field if you count Reese Taylor. Uh, just the, the amount of stuff that you could do once everybody gets the base offense down is going to be tremendous. You know, Brandon Dawkins is six four. He has tremendous athletic ability. You could stick him at a wide receiver if you wanted to and maybe have Penix and, and – uh, Pete Ramsey in the backfield with Reese Taylor in, in the slot and um, and Brandon Dawkins out wide. Who knows uh, what they're, what's going to happen with that? But there are so many yeah. you know nice little gadget pieces that everybody should have plenty of playing time uh, by there. But yeah, you got to settle on a guy uh, and just based on maybe Dawkins being the senior starting the season on the road uh, that he will be the guy and you sprinkle in uh, Ramsey and Penix. I, I don't expect it to be a close game at uh, Florida international. It's a good opportunity to give, get, let Dawkins get the lead or let whoever the starter is, get the lead. Um, 
and had the lead enough to where you feel comfortable bringing in these other guys and and play them and get their feet wet because you know Peyton Ramsey as much as he played last year still has only played nine games and Michael Penix hasn't played in any games so uh, those are the things that that I would like to see out of the non-conference schedule but the quarterback position yeah I, I feel a little bit better uh, now. In terms of talent-wise, I, I think they're really a lot better. Penix is the best arm, of course, but Peyton Ramsey has really improved himself. He's thrown him back into the mix uh, for the starting job, and, and we'll see. Brandon Dawkins got to learn that playbook. Uh, got to, you know, got to get going as as the thing. He he's got to feel a little sense of urgency, uh, giving up first team reps to to a true freshman. So. Uh, we'll see where that, go, where, go, uh, where that goes, and let's talk about the guys they're going to throw the ball to. Uh, I think this wide receiver core is going to be sneaky good. Uh, there's a lot of unproven talent. They have a lot of guys coming back from injury as well. Uh, but if these guys stay, if Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, and Jay Sean Harris stay healthy, uh, and Wapfilier continues to develop, uh, and Miles Marshall has had a fantastic fall camp, if he continues to develop, Ty Freifogel continues to, to his upward trend a little bit. You have a really sneaky good uh, receiving core. You got Jacoby Hewitt, Luke Timian, of course, is Mr. Reliable in there uh, as well. So now you're looking at six, seven, eight guys when maybe you're thinking, hey, God, who, who's, you know, after Timian, who's, who's going to be the guy? Um, and, and WAP. But Nick Westbrook, uh, Looks to be back. He's another guy who's over that 22 miles an hour um, range. Wap Billiard is going to be a star. I, I really think he's going to yes. be a star in the slot. Uh, and he'll help stretch that uh, offense as well. Luke Timian, while his, his total yardage numbers might not be fantastic, he's kind of the he's the Wayne Corbett of this offense, uh, to go back to the to mid-'90s Jets. He's the guy, when you need a catch, and you need 10, 12 yards, you're going to throw him the ball because uh, you trust him that much. Uh, you know, we saw what Donovan Hale could do in flashes last year against Ohio State. He's an elite athlete. Uh, he just needs to stay healthy and, and get back to 100%. Nick Westbrook looks good. Uh, we'll see. And, and the surprise of camp for me in the wide receiver room has been Jason Harris. Uh, I never questioned his talent. I, I thought maybe he could have been used at wide receiver a little bit more last year. Ended up busting his knee again, but he looks to be back. He's on a pitch count. Uh, they know what he could do. He doesn't really need to, to be subjected to a lot of contact. They want to keep him fresh. But, man, he has looked good uh, the first couple of weeks of camp at the wide receiver position. I don't know. I highly doubt that they will use him on punt return and subject them to that risk because he can be that good of a weapon. We saw it in 2014 uh, as he was, you know, a great receiver uh, on a team that didn't really pass much. We haven't really seen that since because of the injuries, but he, he looks like a guy who could blow the top off of defenses as well. So now you're looking at these guys, Miles Marshall, six, four, big body, uh, you know, He's probably better now than Simi was as a freshman. He could step into that big-bodied receiver role that Simi occupied last year. 
And then Ty Freifogel is a solid receiver as well. Uh, you got uh, a couple walk-ons uh, who could play uh, if needed. David Felton's a fast guy. Justin Berry's a, a very solid receiver. Chris Gajak has had, you know, he had a, a productive spring and hopefully carries that into the fall as well. It's just this wide receiver core, it's unproven, but all the tools are there to be a good IU receiving core. Well, I I think a lot of people, myself included, uh, maybe forget how good of a season Nick Westbrook had, uh, you know, two years ago, and obviously not having him and Simi Cobbs on the field together at any point uh, for any extended period of time is certainly something that uh, we missed out on. Um, but Westbrook is very capable of being an all Big Ten receiver. Uh, I, I'm a little bit, uh, I guess, hopeful, optimistic, and, and hopeful um, that Donovan Hale can put it all together. And I, I know that was the help last year, or the hope last year, and he just uh, battled a, an injury that never quite got healthy again. Uh, he's full go. That's definitely good. Hale, very athletic. Uh, and, again, he's 6'4", Westbrook 6'3", Miles Marshall 6'4", and uh, Freifogel 6'2". So, you know, pure big guys. And then Timian uh, and Wap Fillier are, and Jason Harris, I guess, would be more your, your smaller slot type guys, uh, Timmy and Will play some on the outside, and, and Wap I think, is a guy that they should move all over the field and get him the ball however possible. I know that you and I are about as high as possible on Wap Fillier. Uh, we both think he is a, just a, a wonderful player waiting to happen. Um, you know, your, your big question marks are going to be um, – which of these guys can take the top off the defense outside of Nick Westbrook? I think the answer to that is going to be hopefully Donovan Hale. Um, if you have that secondary deep threat, I think that that really can elevate your offense. It's something Indiana didn't have a whole lot of last season was a secondary deep threat, uh, and Simi was unable to really get that separation against really good corners. Westbrook can do that. He's, he's a faster player than Simi was. He needs to improve his physicality a little bit to get to that level. Um, but, you know, he could get there. Uh, so Donovan Hill can be that second deep threat uh, as, a, as a big body, and then Miles Marshall can be your big body possession receiver, if you will. Uh, I, I have no concerns about the slot guys. I think Timian, as you said, very sure-handed. Watt Billier, star in the making, and Jason Harris, uh, you know, you can't help a root for a player like that that uh, just continues to fight back, and hopefully he is able to have a nice senior season, injury-free, and contribute to a to a winning IU team. Uh, that'd be really special because he has uh, he's fought tooth and nail to make it happen. Yeah, and talk about Donovan Hale. He started a quarterback, bounced around, yeah. went to receiver, went back to quarterbacks, maybe had the previous staff used him and set him back in terms of development as a receiver that hurt, especially then with the, with the injuries, but he's a, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, yeah. And, you know, again, these guys, you got to catch the ball. You can't lose fumbles. 
Um, you know, things that killed them last year, not running routes long enough for the first down, coming back to the ball a little too much, uh, making the competitive play. Simi was as good as they get doing that. Somebody needs to fill that role. Just making the competitive play, uh, blocking downfield, open up this run game. If they can get the deep pass going, TJ, they, you know, that'll force the defense to loosen up. And right. it really, really should open the run game. And that's that's where this offense should be better. They could loosen up the defense. Last year, you could kind of guard, um, guard using a loose term, guard uh, instead of mugs. You basically, if you mug semi cobs um, and mm-hmm. play three DBs the rest of the way, you could put eight in the box and stuff that run game. And that, that's different. Um, hopefully, this year, you'll have to use an extra linebacker coverage. Uh, and spread that defense out to where you can only play, you know, maybe six in the box. Um, yeah. And, yeah, and so we'll I, see. I, quick, Don't forget uh, Reese Taylor at yeah. wide receiver as well. Uh, that's true. He, that's an, true. Another guy you could put in the slot, get him the ball in space, let him do his thing, and and we'll see. You know, it's going to be a really fun offense to watch, I think. And as, as people um, – as people people hate on the board and all that stuff, I, I just I need the jury's out for me. I need another year. I need a seed year two in this um, in this offense with, with a line that can block. And, and we'll see if if they can if they struggle and finish sixth and, and twelfth in rushing again. Okay, maybe you can reevaluate your offense coordinator um, coordinator position, but. You know, there were times where play calling was questioned. Going back, looking at those situations, uh, play calling was fine. Uh, it, it was execution, yeah. whether it was throwing a ball a couple seconds late, uh, picking the wrong way uh, to run on an option or the wrong read on an option. We'll see. Uh, these guys are another year older, uh, and we'll see what they can do. On to the tight end position. Uh We'll see. We got uh, Ian Thomas uh, has gone to the NFL, playing with Carolina now. That's a big thing they'll have to replace, but they have some bodies and some depth. Well, sort of. I mean, I, I feel like I feel like we uh, almost have already had to replace it. That last year, um, we did not get the uh, the Ian Thomas that that we were hoping for due to. Uh, the injury that, yes, he was out there most games, but, I mean, very clearly not himself. Um, and I know if, if all you did was just watch, uh, you know, last season of IU uh, and you didn't have any context of it, uh, you'd really be wondering why the heck he got drafted um, because he was not the player he's capable of being last year due to that injury. So I, I feel like it's not that much to replace because we didn't really get what uh, what Ian Thomas will be in the NFL um, last season anyway. Yeah, and that was the thing. You saw Ryan Watercutter step in, and that's about it. You really didn't see anybody else step into that tight end position, but you got some other bodies there. You got Peyton Hendershot coming off a redshirt freshman year. Uh, we'll see what he could do. You followed his career in high school. We have Austin Doris as well. Uh, just expand a little bit more on those guys, TJ. 
Well, Austin Doris is a, a player that I know we had a ton of excitement for coming in. Uh, things have really yet to take off for him. Uh, you know, he's up around 260 pounds, so you would hope uh, that he'd be able to, to utilize that to be a really good blocker. Uh, Indiana really has not had a great blocking tight end outside of Danny Friend for a while. Uh, Friend, obviously, was very, very good blocker um, that, you know, battled an injury that made him kind of ineffective ending his career, but uh, he was a very good blocker, and that's something Indiana could certainly use that other tight end to improve that running game. That's another thing that hurt the running game last year. They just didn't get much blocking out of the tight end group. So Doris could be that. Uh, they could definitely use him. This is redshirt junior year. Uh, they could use a step up in production out of him as a possession tight end. Um, Hendershot, a bit more of an athlete, uh, a guy that I see is capable of kind of splitting the seam as a tight end and, um, you know, catching the ball 15, 20 yards down the field. Uh, another guy that falls in that line would be TJ Ivey. Um, and then the true freshman that they brought in besides Ivey would be Matt Bjorsen. Uh, who, again, a bit more of a blocker uh, in high school. Could he turn into an athletic wide receiving tight end? Sure, yeah, he could, but I think you're probably looking at him as more of a blocker this year. And then Sean Bonner's a big kid at, at uh, 6'3", um, You know, I think Watercutter probably uh, would be your odds-on favorite to begin the season as the starter. Uh, redshirt senior with experience that uh, – you know, solid all-around player. He's got really good hands, especially for a converted linebacker uh, kid from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, I think after that, you'd probably lean towards, uh, I would say probably lean towards Doris and then probably Bonner. I would expect TJ Ivey and Matt Bjorson would be guys that you see if everything goes according to plan that you see for four games get some reps and take a red shirt. Um, you know, with all the good wide receivers and all the backs that Indiana has, uh, tight end, no way around it. It is the biggest question mark on this offense for me. That doesn't mean it can't be a solid position, but going in, there are the most question marks at tight end. Uh, I, I would kind of like to see Indiana um, use kind of four wide receiver sets or or two running back sets um, more than I would two tight end sets. Uh, I know that that is a little bit counterintuitive to having a power run game, uh, but I think Indiana could lean on their wide receiver skill position players uh, or use that versatile backfield they have to use two running backs um, and and kind of lean towards only one tight end set uh, in most cases. But I, I think it's a it's a group that could be fine, uh, but certainly if you're looking at offensive line, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, I'd say tight end has the most uh, question marks uh, on this offense. And um, I, you know, you're mentioning Mike DeBoard earlier. Uh, the biggest thing for me, uh, I agree with you. The play calling last year, I was fine with it. Uh, I thought that there was. Uh, by midseason, it was pretty clear that uh, you were working with a limited hand at quarterback. Um, yeah. And and that that stifled things. And then you had 
quite a few injuries to work through. Ian Thomas was a big one. Nick Westbrook yeah, was a big Thomas. one. And without yeah, he, without Westbrook, you also didn't have Hale. So two of your top three wide receivers going into the season, at least in terms of outside guys, you didn't have. Uh, you lost Harris, so he couldn't be used as a wide receiver. So your your passing game is really limited. Your running game, uh, for a myriad of reasons. I mean, Ellison was your top tailback. And he wasn't healthy uh, for the entirety of the season, at least. And then, uh, you know, he's a freshman. And your offensive line wasn't blocking as well as you wanted to. Um, uh, a short deck, if you will. You were, you were uh, a few fries short of a happy meal. And I, unfortunately, I don't think all that's taken into consideration with criticism. That's not to say that DeVore was perfect. I don't think he was. Uh, I'd love to see Indiana get more creative. And the one thing that I will be critical about, if it comes about, because I, I'm not a play-calling expert. I, I do not know. Mike DeVore has uh, certainly forgotten more about football than I'm going to know. Uh, so that's I'm not here to say, well, I, I do a better job. That's certainly not the case. Uh, the one thing I will be critical about, though, is with this offense and the, the skill players that Indiana has, the quarterback skill set that they have, the veteran offensive line that they have, the one thing I'll be critical about is if Indiana is predictable. If they are predictable and conservative, I will be critical about that. Uh, because I don't think there's any reason for the Hoosiers to not uh, – innovate is not the word necessarily, um, but if if they're predictable and stale on offense and they don't utilize kind of the unique skill sets that they have, that would be highly frustrating. Yeah, and, and that's what I you – know, my next thought was uh, – for India, and this is going to go on both sides of the ball and special teams. Indiana's got to be aggressive. And it's something that I had during spring practice. We, we saw the Eagles in the Super Bowl pull all sorts of tricks out of their bag and really put the opponent on their heels. IU needs to do this. They need, you know, when it's fourth and two inside the 10 and you're up by three, go for it. Um, Inside the 40, go for it. You know, I, as good as Hayden Whitehead is, and he was just put on the Ray Guy Award watch list today, uh, he punted way too much last year. I think he set the record for most punts of the season, uh, and Tom Allen loves to use it. But it, it's time to be aggressive. You have the tools to be aggressive. You finally have the healthy wide receivers. Um, that's the hope. And, you know, you've got to get up several scores on these teams and, and start putting them away. Sometimes that's the issue of finishing and not finishing. Is you got to get up several scores because you know that you're going to get their best shot late in the game. And IU hasn't been able to withhold that. So maybe instead of having a three or seven point lead, you have a 10 or 14 point lead. You have a little bit more cushion uh, to absorb the, uh, the, you know, the, the opponent's yeah. best shots and, that's what they need to do. Now, I'm not saying they should go all Kevin Wilson and start faking punts from the 10-yard line against Ohio State, uh, but you know, if, if the ball's at the opponent's 40-yard uh, line uh, and you have questions about your kicker and it's a manageable fourth down, go for it. Uh, you know, set up a third third down play, set up a fourth down play, uh, things like that. There, there were too many times 
getting turnovers, take a shot at the end zone. You look at the Michigan State game. They get that fumble inside the, the Michigan State 20. They ran the ball up the middle twice and then threw it away. Uh, can't do that. You can't run. You know, I don't want to see them run the same thing over and over again uh, where they kind of did last year. Maybe that was Ramsey not knowing the playbook. Uh, maybe it was him being limited by injury uh, or being banged up sometimes. Uh, and then you had uh, Lego throwing the ball and not really a running threat. That that hurt them too, especially without the running threat on the ground that they have. So they need to be more aggressive. They're not more aggressive. It's going to be really, really disappointing. Uh, they can still win six games playing conservative, but I use the team, you know, roll the dice. You know, see what, what the worst thing that could happen, the blows up in your face. And I use had the history of doing that. So it's, you know, we're, we're still here. Um, you know, it, it, it happens. It's the worst thing that happens is you turn the ball over on downs inside the 10-yard line. Have to, if you have that much faith in your defense, that yep. should be no problem. Um, yep. So yeah. we'll another, see. another thing that kind of goes along with that, uh, I think, along with kind of the, the play calling and with execution and with, um, you know, not necessarily risk-taking, but uh, avoiding conservatism uh, would be the red zone offense. Last year with 97th in uh, red zone S&P+. Plus. Uh, it's been a problem for a few years. Uh, it was a problem under Kevin Wilson, uh, and it was a problem last season as well with Mike DeBordis, DOC. Uh, red zone execution just has to get better. Indiana cannot afford to be 97th uh, or in the bottom third of the country in uh, red zone efficiency. Uh, when they get those chances, they have to take advantage of it. And uh, you're not going to score a touchdown every time. You're not going to score points every time in the red zone. But, you know, you have got to do a better job of avoiding the field goal and getting the touchdown. And whether that means, you know, uh, maybe a big running back, um, or I'm sorry, a big quarterback like Brandon Dawkins, if he can be more effective on zone read stuff in the red zone, and that helps you punch it in, uh, whether that means, you know, a little bit of reach whether that means, uh, you know, working to get uh, a power run game going with a Morgan Ellison or a Stevie Scott, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Maybe it's a combination of all that stuff. But Indiana has got to find a solution consistently uh, to get points out of their red zone trips uh, and more touchdowns and field goals. Because, uh, you know, in today's college football, you're going to get yards. That's going to happen. You're going to get yards. Uh, Games are won and lost by how many mistakes you make, and that means turnovers uh, or takeaways, if you will. And it means uh, what you do with those yards, you convert them into points. And for Indiana, the answer too often last year was uh, unable to punch it in for a touchdown, and that's got to change if IU's going to get over the hump. Yeah, and and to – Expand on my point of running the same play. Look, if it's Jordan Howard against Michigan in 2015 right, right. and you're running for 300 yards behind Dan Feeney, sure, give him the ball the entire time and run the ball the same play as long as it's working. It's when you're running the same play, maybe going a little too fast and not seeing the defense and 
just running the same play because that's what you saw initially. Maybe taking a bit of a step back, slowing down. Now, this offense is not going to slow its pace down uh, in, in terms of going to a three yards in a cloud of dust. I saw an article uh, earlier in the week that, that suggested that might happen. Uh, no, this, t- this team wants to uh, to control the tempo. That means going fast sometimes, going slow, but not too slow. You don't want to say this is not executed. Playing five minute quarters, and you could get a three point lead and essentially run out the clock um, in each half. This is, that means getting to the line, being ready to go, taking a step back, controlling the clock right. a little bit, seeing what the defense presents you. Uh, maybe good doing a hard count, things like that. Uh, you know, one, one of the other things that is impacted by speed, and uh, re-watching the Michigan State game, I think it was Greg McElroy brought up a great point of, you know, maybe this is why there's so many reviews during IU games, is that they go so fast that the, the referees don't have a chance to replay it, and they yeah. just hit the replay button just because. And I don't know if that's that's right or wrong, but that's kind of it makes sense uh, as to what uh-huh. happens. Um, and, and so maybe slowing down the offense just a little bit, going fast. It, Tom Allen has always said it's easy to prepare for one or the other. And it's harder to prepare if the team does both. And Allen wants to be a team that does both. They need to be able to go fast, up-tempo. I, it doesn't kill the defense. If the defense is playing well and getting IU like led the nation three and out last year, led the Big Ten, that shouldn't have an impact on the offense. Um, or the offense having quick drive shouldn't have that big of an impact, especially this year when they're going to have a bigger rotation on defense. So we'll see. We'll see what's going to happen. I, I think they're continuing to play fast. Uh, the board it was faster than, than Wilson's offenses were. Uh, but, you know, we'll see what happens. With the lead, you kind of got to slow it down, be more deliberate, snap the ball uh, with fewer, fewer seconds on the play clock, uh, things like that. So it, it, it's those little things. When, you, when you're going fast, I used offense when it went fast last year, moved the ball very, very well. It got held back with penalties and and things like that. So, so we'll see um, – how the speed impacts it. I don't think they're going to, they're, they're definitely not going to a three yards in a cloud of dust offense where, you know, there's 11 play nine minute drives and all that stuff, unless it's, they're running the ball. Well, they're up by a couple scores and, and all those things. This is going to be a fast paced offense uh, that is going to put the opposing defense on their heels and uh, try and out athletic you uh, in, in wear that defense out to where maybe you could bring in Stevie Scott and some of the bigger running backs at the end of the game and start pounding on that, that defensive line. So that's my two cents. Mm-hmm. Be, be aggressive. Uh, hang on to the ball. They got to They got to hang on to the ball. Don't throw interceptions. Don't fumble the ball. Now they're going to happen, but you got to limit it, limit the damage uh, and things like that. They take points off the board for IU and put, usually put points on the board. Uh, for the other team. So we'll see, uh, we'll see what they do. It's, it's going to be interesting. It's a, uh, offense now. Have a great week, everybody.
in at loserhuddle.com for all our practice updates from Riley Kime. Uh, I'll be at practice tomorrow as well. Uh, and follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle uh, for all your IU football updates. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. 
That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.